0: Hello, everyone. It's John Otterstedt, Scarlet Nation podcast. Today, I'm talking to Sean Brown, one of our resident recruiting gurus. And we're just going to talk about the world of recruiting, uh, Rutgers football recruiting, that is. Look back a little bit on this past recruiting class and just uh, see where Rutgers goes and how they're poised to, you know, just continue moving forward and and build it on the talent that's already on that roster. So, Sean, um, another signing day just passed. Can you just give me kind of your big picture overview of perhaps, you know, the Rutgers recruiting class, but just this whole two-signing day um, thing that we have right now with an early-signing day period and a late-day signing period and just how that affects Rutgers.
1: You know, I think this is, um, you know, nationally for for everyone, although they still call the signing day of February the traditional signing day and the one in December the early signing day. It seems every college is trying to get as many of the guys signed in December and then in, in February, you know, you can, you can narrow your focus. You know, you typically have less spots. Um, and it, it's not as much of a rat race um, versus how it used to be in, in previous years. So, you know, for all intents and purposes, this is a chance to, to reset for, for a lot of schools. Um, Rutgers especially um, fell into that with, you know, you got a guy, Stanley King, who they had been pursuing for a while. Um, they were hoping to get him um, signed up in the first signing day. It didn't happen, uh, but they stayed on him, and, and they were able to seal the deal uh, a few days before the, the the second signing day. And then there were, you know, two newer names that that came about. Um, you know, Darius Gooding, a uh, local guy who they knew about. They hadn't camp, uh, but it wasn't until uh, Henry Baker came back um, and Baker's relationship with, with Gooding put him back into play um, in terms of Rutgers considering him. And then you know, Rayon Pool, who you know, hearing Rutgers story uh, really came on the radar in in November, you know, so a really late name um, who came on the recruiting board.
0: Now, do you find that that the double recruiting period, does that help Rutgers or did it hurt Rutgers? Is it it better for a big school? Like when I say big school, a traditional recruiting powerhouse, or is it better for a school like Rutgers that is trying to, uh, you know, climb its way into competitiveness in the big 10?
1: You know, it, it, it helps a school like Rutgers because if you have your guys who are, you know, you're firmly committed and, and comfortable in their commitment, you can, you can get them tied up and situated. And, you know, um, it's not as easy for these schools. They have more time to evaluate, um, you know, if they, if they want this this first signing period. And, and, you know, these bigger schools were complaining because they had less chance to, to go through, you know, lesser schools, um, recruiting lists and, and pick off guys. Um, but with less time for schools to do that, you know, it benefits a school like Rutgers. Um, And then talking specifically this season, um, although Rutgers, you know, didn't really do that well on the field with only one win, uh, they weren't in a bowl, but it allowed them more time to focus on the recruiting, you know, versus other schools that, yes, they may have been in the bowl that had a more successful season, but it was just more to to handle in the off season, trying to, you know, run the rat race, signing guys in December and and do bowl prep. So for this year, Uh, it it helped Rutgers to have that extra time not being in a bowl, especially, um, you know, they had to do a lot to pull this class together um, coming off that rough season.
0: For a school like Rutgers, let's just talk about that early signing period. Do you think that's well-placed, or do you think it'd even be more helpful, well, not only to Rutgers, but maybe to players, to be able to have that early signing period even earlier? Um, I think about the, you know, the advantage a state school has in evaluating prospects earlier than perhaps a school that might come from outside the region. Um, you know, I just was wondering, what what are your thoughts? Would they ever even move it, make it even earlier? And if they did, would that benefit Rutgers even more?
1: Well, you know, that's, that's been the topic of discussion because when, when they instituted this, this uh, new signing day in December, they also started allowing college prospects to take official visits starting uh, in April. Uh, of their junior year, so guys could visit earlier, you know, and and I guess the hope was that they could make a decision earlier. You know, but, but Rutgers was one of the schools that really did not host uh, a lot of early official visits. Uh, maybe I'm missing someone, but the only one that really comes to mind is Salim um, Wormley from Delaware, who eventually ended up signing with Penn State, but Rutgers had to host him because he was taking all his official visits in the spring. Um, so they had to go along if they wanted to stay in contention, uh, forewarnly. But other than that, they they felt it was easier to, to do it later. They could focus on spring practice. Uh, they could focus on getting the, the freshmen rolling, acclimated. Um, you know, so the, their strategy was, you know, we're gonna stick with the traditional signing, you know, in traditional recruiting calendar. Um, but on the flip side, you look at a, a similar school in, in Pitt. And I, I remember there was a lot of hoopla because Pitt hosted a, a ton of spring official visitors. One was a uh, New Jersey defensive end, uh, Bryce Nance, who was at the time used to be a Rutgers lean, and they got a ton of um, commitments um, from guys that visited early, and uh, they surprisingly kept a lot of those commitments um, and got those guys to sign December. So it, it worked out for them. So you know maybe that's something that Coach Ash and, and the staff want to consider for next year, maybe hosting a few more guys officially in that that um, I think it's April to June period, you know, if that means they can get them locked up. But it's, you know, it's what, from June to August, I mean, until December, um, that's that's six months to try to keep guys committed. Um, you know, so it's, if they don't move the period up to August, like we've been discussed for guys to sign, you know, it, it, it's tough to keep guys committed for that long period of time. And you, you, if they're further away, you know, let's say hypothetically, um, Rutgers gets a Florida guy up on campus in, in May for an official visit. Odds are that he's not going to make it up to campus again um, until he's able to sign. And if some other closer schools get involved, it's, it's tough to keep that school fresh in the mind. So,
0: right, if they had that August signing day, do you think that helps Rutgers?
1: I think so. Because look, look at this season. Um, I mean, they, they did have some, some decommitments, uh, but uh, you know, those guys that they signed in August, um, they don't, you know, you're not worrying about the season at that point. Uh, And those guys are signed and and they're fully committed. And, you know, at this point, it's, you know, it's not really damage control I have to worry about doing after a one and eleven season. So it, um, I don't remember exactly when all the commitments happened from the decommitments, but I I remember most of those guys being the fold by then. Uh, So it, it would have benefited them for sure.
0: Right. Well, let's just talk a little bit about this recruiting class. Rutgers signed six kids in that late signing period. Um, there were another two, Brian Ugu and Zamar Wise, who I guess didn't sign. We could talk about that in a little bit. But let's first start off with the high school additions to the class. There was Rayon Buell. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Darius Gooden, Stanley King. Um, you know, where do those three project and how soon do you think they could see the field?
1: Um, you know, well, of, of the three signs, I think the guy who has the the best chance to see the field the earliest will be Stanley King of uh, Woodrow Wilson and Camden. Uh, you know, he's coming in at a, a position of need, a wide receiver, not so much that from a depth perspective, because Rutgers has a lot of wide receivers on the roster, but, you know, the passing game hasn't been been strong in recent years, uh, so I know you know you see with Coach McNulty, uh, Coach Lester, uh, Lester Herb, you know, they're definitely open, you know, just having the best guys in the field, regardless of class, so for King, you know, he, he has the chance of the three of those guys to see the field the earliest, um, and you know, super productive guy led the state in receiving um this past year at uh, canberra w- Woodrow Wilson you know and he has that that size that mcNulty likes in those earlier Rutgers teams he was OC with Shiano. they had those big outside receivers and King you know listed anywhere from six 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 four um 190 he could stand to add some bulk but he he has what i like to call natural uh, vertical separation on defensive backs because he's you know he's a big guy he's taller than pretty much everyone that'll defend him and he He goes up for the ball as well. So I think Stanley had the best chance of seeing the field early. Um, And then after that, you know, Darius Gooden, um, he, like I mentioned, was on the Rutgers radar for a while, but they they had him in camp in the summer the East Coast League camp. They didn't move on him then. Um, They kept tabs on him. He had a a really strong senior season at at Newark Side. I think he led the state in interceptions. You know, another kid with great size, 6'2", 190. You know, I think they'll try him at corner first, uh, but he also has the ability to play uh, safety as well. And, you know, that's a guy that when um when Henry Baker came back uh for that brief period of time, uh, to coach the Rutgers cornerbacks, Baker had offered him when he was down in North Carolina, they had the relationship. He was able to kind of sell Coach Ash on, on Gooden, you know, for watching him closely and it, it evolved from there, um, with Rutgers keeping tabs and eventually offering him um before his official visit to campus. So another guy with with size and they, they don't have too many defensive backs on the roster with that type of size. And, you know, it, it's really interesting to see well end up in the secondary, but um, you know, great size, local kid, really good grades. And you talk to the guys there in York the West side, they feel he was under recruited maybe because he, he went to a city school that traditionally has not produced kids um, of that caliber. So it'll be interesting to see with, with Darius. And lastly, um, you know, with Rayon, you, know, you always talk about linemen. It's the biggest adjustment for linemen um, going from college to high school, number one. And then with, with just playing in a really small school, um, I think it's like 90 minutes outside of Buffalo. So so New York in general, football-wise, once you, you get out the, the New York City area, it's, it's not as strong. And then when you, you get even further, more rural areas, you know, the same discussion has been had with the, the Rutgers quarterback, Sonny Cole Snyder. In those small schools the, the the competition isn't that strong and what what's impressive about, about Ray is you you see him playing tailback and he's doing some really athletic things but he hasn't played a lot of uh traditional you know interior defensive line but the, you can't deny his athleticism um someone pulled up his numbers from the uh, the Nike opening camp and I think he was you know ran like a five um, flat 40 and I forgot his 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 shuttle time but it was ridiculous at his size he was like 4.7. Uh, so he's a really good athlete. It's about, you know, transitioning that to, you know, playing in the big 10. I think he's only about two seventy right now. Uh, so athletically he's, you know, he's, he's a freak, but you know, playing big boy ball in the trenches, that's going to take some time.
0: Yeah. It was pretty fun watching his highlight tape, seeing him running the ball at six foot two, 270 pounds. Yeah, definitely. You don't see that too often. Well, let's talk a little bit about the guys who are coming over from other colleges. So you have Johnny Langan, uh, quarterback coming from Boston college as a transfer. We have Matt Alimo coming from UCLA tight end as a transfer. And then we have Montario hunt, um, coming from, uh, Northwest Mississippi community college. Also, he'll be a junior this year. What can you tell me about this trio?
1: Um, you know, hunt is, uh, you know, he signed, uh, out of, out of high school at Marshall, uh, before he transferred to his junior college. He's, um, he looks like a really solid possession receiver from what you see in the highlights, um, and maybe it's just a product of the offense, um, and what they did at Northwest Mississippi, but, you know, solid possession receiver, looks like he has strong hands, really good in the uh intermediate route running passing game and he was a red zone fret for them as well. You, you you saw more of his athleticism when you go watch what he did in high school, uh, for his team. He 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 ran some tailback, he ran some wildcat quarterback and you got to see him in space and make plays and make people miss. Um He'll, he'll, be, he'll be solid in terms of the competition. Also, a willing blocker as well, which is, is really important, um, you know, with Rutgers really wanting to run the ball and, and being a pro-style system. You need bigger guys that have size and are willing to be physical and, and you know, can make plays on the outside in, in the blocking game. So I think Hunt, you know, checks a lot of those boxes as well. He, he brings competition to the room. Um, you know, you talk about uh, Johnny Langen, um, well-known throughout uh, the pro land in North Jersey. You know, he he was the quarterback of that 2017 Burn Catholic team that that won a state title. Um, that was Nuncio Campaniles, you know, last head coaching job before he joined Rutgers. Um, you know, so there's there's obviously that bond there. Um, a lot of people refer to him as the, the local Johnny Football. He's great size. He's built like a tight end or linebacker, and that's why a lot of people have projected him to play other positions in college outside of quarterback. You know, he's he's a winner. I think is the best way to put it. You know, he he could you know took better care of the ball when he was in high school, but he, he was definitely a playmaker. And he, he has the added dynamic of, of being a true dual threat on the ground. And that, that Burn Catholic one game, you know, he was, he maybe was a leading rusher in that. You had to account for this big 6'4", 225 pound guy coming out of the backfield. It was almost like a, a right-handed Tim Tebow um, watching the Burn Catholic highlights. So he, he'll add some competition to the QB room. And it's, it's really, uh, you know, it's just a wonder if, if he'll uh, be considered eligible immediately. By the NCA to get some, you know, true threat of someone that could possibly play next year and compete against Sikowski and, and Lewis and Cole Snyder and those guys. And then lastly, and probably I think the 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 gem of the of the trio, um, Alamo who signed with UCLA was a big time tight end. Uh, played at uh, Saint Joe's Montvale, another one of those big parochial schools, and you know, he was a guy that, you know, he was still considering Rutgers um, when he when he signed last year, going to that second signing day. Um, you know, I, I remember going to the, his state final and, you know, Rutgers sent, um, you know, Vince Crew, tight end coach at the time, and uh, Bill Bush who crew the area to come watch and evaluate him. And, you know, they, they were willing to sign, you know, Alemo, uh, Davon Robinson, and Jalen Jordan, all three, because uh, Alemo, he has, uh, he's a true, you know, complete tight end. He can play in line. He can block. He's a willing blocker. He could flex out. He has great hands. He has he has great size. He, you know he has a flair for the dramatic and a lot of acrobatic catches and was a highly coveted guy. That when he kept his recruitment open the first time, you know he had offers from Auburn, and, you know UCLA and some other schools across the country. He's really highly coveted guy. But you know he got away. Chip Kelly got him at UCLA. But you know Matt got a little homesick. You know felt was you know best to come back closer to home and you know that that relationship was maintained with Rutgers, who is. Recruiting his younger brother Mike, who is their top QB target uh, in this class in 2020, you know, so he, he's another guy that Rutgers is hoping can get immediate eligibility, and if he does get that, he's going to be right in the mix at tight end. I think I think Travis Vocallet will still be the, the day one starter there, but uh, Alamo has a, a legit chance to compete right away, and you know you know Mcnulty loves his tight ends. Uh, he'll play two or maybe three at the same time. Uh, so there's a chance for Alamo if he could play right away to see some serious minutes from day one.
0: Right, and there's that, obviously there's that other kind of storyline of sorts with his brother being a top quarterback, and uh, yep. obviously Rutgers would hope that they can get a two you know two player deal out of that one.
1: Yeah, it's um you know um, Mike is going through the process. He visited West Virginia this weekend. He you know he told me last week uh, he plans to go see Auburn, Miami some other schools, and but he's also said he, you know, he would love to play with his brother. Um So that that mentality is in there. It, he's not a lean or anything. He's not slammed up for Rutgers, but they they do have that benefit of saying, hey, your brother's here. You want to play with him? We run a pro style offense that you know we feel you're a perfect fit for. But it's a matter of you know Ashley Nolte convincing Mike, um, you know, that that's a place for you. But like you said it's an added advantage for them in his recruitment for sure.
0: Sticking on that quarterback front there, Zamar Wise is someone who committed to Rutgers a while back. We took some heat on the Scarlet Nation message board because at one point in that tracking the recruits feature that we do, I believe we took him off as someone who was going to end up at Rutgers. And since that point, he's been on again, off again, I guess, in terms of our predictions about what he'd end up doing. He didn't sign on signing day. Can you give us a little bit of feedback on as to what was going on with him and where you see him ending up in the future?
1: Yeah, you know, um, you know, Zamar is still is still committed to Rutgers verbally. It's really just a matter with, with this new, um, you know, with you have your cap 25 scholarships now um, with the new NCAA rules. So so colleges are, are, you know, they're treating them like, you know, really precious things where... We want to make sure if we sign a guy, um, that he is, you know, fully uh, you know, um ready to go academically, you know, he'll he'll make the grade and he'll make it through. Um so, you know, with wise, you know, he there's been some some ebbs and flows with him academically. Uh but Rutgers wants to make sure that he's, you know, you know, doing well and he's going to get in school. Uh so until they feel comfortable and they feel that everything is trending in the right direction, they they've held off on on having him sign a national letter of intent. Uh, I guess because
0: if they were to sign him and then he didn't qualify, it's not like you get that scholarship back again, right? That counts towards the 25 limit.
1: Correct. Yeah. I mean, Rutgers lucked out. um, And some people would see in a similar situation with uh, the linebacker they signed in the December signing period, Juan Mitchell, who was a New Jersey native in that. uh, Mitchell signed, but there was some stuff academically uh, that he needed to fill to make sure he enrolled in January. Uh, And it it wasn't met. So he went back to his junior college. And um, luckily, in that sense for Rutgers, they were able to get that scholarship back uh, versus a high school guy. If they don't make it, you know, that's it. He can't, you know, go back to his high school. So, um, you know, it's it's a bit more of a sensitive situation with with Samar Wise, but they're they're working with him. They're watching him and they're they're keeping a spot for him. So as soon as they get the the green light, he'll be able to, to go ahead and make it official.
0: All right, another player that did not sign on signing day, Brian Ugu. Can you talk a little bit about him?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I saw I saw Hillside play twice um uh last year and you know, he's a, a big athletic kid. I know we we've highlighted him quite a bit. He had, he had quite a few early offers, but um, you know, I know high academic kid, uh, and I know it was an issue trying to get everyone that was important, his decision making to go make visits, so he didn't he didn't visit a lot of schools, but um, he has a sister who who's at Rutgers now. The family always wanted him at Rutgers. So the Rutgers, you know, they, they had filled up at, at linebacker spots. Uh, but, you know, getting close to the to the signing there, there was a way to, to make it where he was able to, to join the team in some capacity. And, you know, there's no official uh, LOI signed for him, but he is, he is committed to Rutgers. And he's a guy that can do a lot of different things. Um, he played running back for Hillside. He played um, middle outside linebacker. But they also walked him up on the line of scrimmage, and I thought he fit best as a defensive end in the future. You know, he he has got the frame to throw some weight, and that's where it, it, it appears Rutgers sees him as possible. That Jack defensive end spot where they have the hybrid guy, I think he fits perfectly for that. So it's a situation where he's committed to Rutgers. You know, he's gonna he's gonna be in school in the summer. Um, you know, but it's it's not you know where where there's an official signing where they can you know fully enough name, but you know, it's an understanding between uh Uru and the school where he's committed and they consider him committed and he's excited to get down to campus in the summer.
0: Now Sam Hellman, who used to run the Ruckers site on the 247 Sports Network, he did a piece because he's still in case those of you who are listening don't know, Sam is still with 247 Sports. He just moved on to work for the national news desk. And he did a piece where he Outlined who the top impact players are for each Big Ten recruiting class, and in that he chose Aaron Young for Rutgers' number one player. Who do you see as that big impact player this year for Rutgers?
1: Hmm. Big impact guy. Well, if if we're including the the junior college signings, then um, I definitely say uh, Omari Cooper. who They signed from um, you know California junior colleges. Uh, you know he's a guy that. Will probably um, or at least be given every chance to start right away at the right tackle spot. And for a team that you know lost um, Tariq Cole to graduation, then you know um, surprisingly lost Jonah Jackson uh, to grad transfer, just committed to Ohio State uh, to give an experienced guy who can, who can play on the outside. I think Cooper is is most important, and biggest signing for this class.
0: Yeah, speaking of Jonah Jackson, obviously that one hurts Rutgers a lot. I'm going to ask you this question just from a uh, recruiting standpoint, because I know that you are, you know, pretty dialed into all of the current and past recruits. When you were watching Jonah Jackson come up through the ranks and signing with Rutgers, did you foresee him becoming as big of an impact player as he was? And, you know, does it surprise you that he's ending up at Ohio state now?
1: Well, you know, it's funny. I, I remember um, around that time, you know, we were, we were at our other site and uh, if I remember correctly in the chronological order, either our old camp was first and the opening was after or they were, they were close to one another. But I remember, I think the opening was first. And I, I, you know, they always had the videos online. And I remember Jonah finishing in the, they have like the top five finalists. So he was a top five offensive lineman, but was still a, you know, a no name guy at that point. But I remember he had the really long hair of the who's this guy. And then, you know, our camp came afterwards and same thing. He kind of came in as, as a no name guy, but he had this long hair. And I think a lot of like the other national guys and stuff had, Focus on the guys who have more of a name performance wise, but I, I thought he did really well at the camp. I, I remember that and I was like, who, who the hell is this kid with this long hair? Uh, and I remember following up with him afterwards and you know I think all he had really going wrong was a like myth at that point and you know all these colleges pay attention to all this stuff. So, so Rutgers got their ears on you know what he had did at those local camps. Uh, Daryl Wilson was the air recruiter. I know Wilson got involved quickly. They got him on campus, they got him committed right away. Um, you know, so I th- I thought he was better than than what he was rated. Um, did I think he was gonna be a guy that was gonna be starting for Ohio State his senior year? Um I didn't see that, but I, I did think he could be a uh, you know, a competent big ten lineman. That much I did.
0: You know, it's funny you mentioned the analyst perhaps not paying as much attention to him. That's something I always pay attention to when I go to the different combines, seven on sevens, camps and such, because you know, often the Players outnumber the quote unquote recruiting gurus. there are dozens for every one recruiting guru out there, and I find that the not only that but often the guys who work for the recruiting companies they often hang out together or even college coaches when you go to say uh, a seven on seven on a college campus or a camp on a college campus and so it really is possible for someone to do quite well at one of these events and not get the press that they deserve, not get the attention that they deserve. Uh, I've seen it myself. I've been at the Rutgers 7-on-7 many times where all the coaches are on the main field and someone at an exterior field with no coaches on it um, out on the perimeter there has a a great game and and there's nobody there to witness it. So the fact that he kind of went under the radar doesn't surprise me.
1: No, yeah, definitely. I definitely agree. Definitely agree.
0: But Sean, I I always like watching you at these events because you're that one guy who, first of all, I love watching you work the crowd because you know so many people in the high school recruiting ranks, coaches, uh, parents of players, people who former college and professional players who show up to these events. They all know who you are. But I also notice you are one of those guys who you work the whole room. You'll check out the top players. You go down and see the the other guys and you know, when, when you tell me that you like somebody, I know it's because you had a keen eye on them. So anyway, it's a little, little aside there, but um, let, let's go off and, and talk a little bit about the junior day. Most recently um, Rutgers held the junior day. For those of you who don't know, uh, can you talk about just, you know, maybe a couple of the top prospects on campus um, and also give maybe a little insight into Ruck- whether Rutgers has a shot with them.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, so they, they had their first junior day of the year last weekend and, in- you know, I had had a good, good group of guys, mostly local guys at this point. Um, I would say that the headliners or the, the headliner would be um, running back Tyreek Murphy from uh, Christ the King in New York. He's got a ton of offers. Um, you know, he had two teammates that signed with Miami uh, this past year. Um, you know, Tyreek could probably go anywhere at once. And this is, uh, I constantly say this is the year of the running back in New York and New Jersey. And he's probably... Um, you know, if Jalen Berger is is one A, um, then most people consider Murphy to be one B in terms of the top guys in the area. But, um, you know, he was on campus. Um, that was his first chance to get some real face time with the new running back coach, uh, Kobe Smith. And small accounts. He he really liked, you know, speak with Smith and getting to know him a little better. You know, so he was he was a big one for them. Uh, having him on campus. You know, they had a uh, quarterback, Will Howard. Uh, Downingtown, Pennsylvania, who who had an offer and was offered last summer, and he's a guy. You know, if it seems like they Rutgers really wants, um, you know, Michael Lamo as their guy in this class, but you know, Howard is, is a nice constellation if they don't get a Lamo. Other local guys, um, you know, we highlighted um, um, Amir Robinson from Union, where, where Rutgers has done um, really well in in recent years. A wide receiver, you know, he he was a teammate of Mike Tverdoff, so it was a good chance to, to hang with him from what he told us. Um uh Nasir uh, Montgomery, East Orange. He's a uh, plays quarterback in safety for East Orange. He's an athlete recruit. You know, he records on him early, uh, and then Virginia Tech just offered uh last week. He's a guy that that's gonna blow up and he's a guy like Robinson was offered during this recent evaluation period. So it's his first time to get back on campus, you know, uh speak with the staff. he got an offer it, and, and really, you know, just just get the love from the staff now that he's you know, he's got an offer. He knows where he stands in their eyes. Um uh, Dwayne Alec is a out of state guy from, um, national power DeMatha in Maryland, a big interior lineman who has offers from the likes of LSU and, you know, Rutgers had took a little bit of a hit with the loss of, of Corey Robinson going to Maryland because he really had those ties down there. Uh, but to get a guy like, uh, Alec up on campus for this year that he seemed to really enjoy himself. And, um, you know, Pete Russell Mondo, the new O-line coach, you know, spent a lot of time with him, you know, starting to build a good rapport with him. Um. You know, there were a few offers that went out uh, during the course of the day. Um, one of the guys, uh, Dominic Busby, uh, Seton Hall Prep, you know, big tight end. Uh, tight end's a really strong class locally as well. He actually was coached by um, Nunzio Campanil's brother, Vito, uh, for his first couple of years at Seton Hall Prep. So they have a, a good development relationship, um, even better chance to, to build that. And, you know, I always joke that Dominic has the quietest 10 offers um, I've ever seen And you know, this was his first power five offer, but he had a lot of other options. Uh, another guy that offered was Leon Lowry from uh, North Brunswick in Central Jersey. You know, he's a hybrid defenseman linebacker who, you know, if he played at one of those private schools, he may be a ten offer guy already. Uh, but I could see him having a, a bigger recruitment. Um, Gino Vandermark, uh, he's a 2021 20, kid. He's he's going to be a junior from um, from Saint Joe's Montvale. He actually got a Rutgers offer. While he was on campus, he's a big uh, 6'6", 100-pound lineman who who was a reserve for St. Joe's. He started a couple games last year. And, you know, Augie Hoffman, um, you know, former NFL offensive lineman up there. There's there's one thing he knows, it's offensive linemen. And they've, since he's taken over, they've constantly produced um, power five guys. So Gino seems to be next in line. You know, Rutgers is good to offer him this early. And another uh, top guy, really young guy, but another top guy that was there, uh, Justin Evan Jenkins. Uh, he plays at Irvington in North Jersey. Um, for those people that have followed recruiting, you know, for many years back, he is the nephew of a of former Florida Gator safety and former NFL safety, Josh Evans, who Rutgers did recruit um, when Josh was a recruit. Uh, but they they didn't get him. They weren't really in contention. But they're in early with his nephew. He already has six Power Five offers. Uh, you know, some other out of state guys that were there: Jod ja Joyner from Danbury, Connecticut. Uh, Rutgers was his first offer. He's a defensive lineman, he goes about six four, two twenty. You know, Vince O'Crew who recruits New England for Rutgers. You know, he found him. He offered him early, and now some other schools are starting to come around. So he's he's a guy that Rutgers really likes. They got him with early, and it could benefit them down the line um, if they end up getting his signature in the future. So they, you know, there's other guys there, but it was a, a really good crop of um, you know, local priority recruits for them that they had
0: on campus that day. You know, I, I was I was interested to hear about how Rutgers is doing. Not only just with the recruits, but like how the individual coaches are doing with them and it 's been a, I guess a little bit of a rough stretch for rockers, especially at the offensive coordinator position with so much turnover but also among the position coaches there 's been a lot of turnover there are i believe four new guys coming in this year, and I just wanted to run some names by you and just see if you had heard these names being mentioned for I know you mentioned one or two of them already just before, but um, I know as myself and I'm sure a lot of fans out there want to hear who's out getting out there on the recruiting trail and making a name for themselves. So we have Pete Rosamondo, the new OL coach, Colby Smith, the new running back coach, Jay Valai, uh the uh, defensive backs coach, I believe, and Andy Boo, the new defensive coordinator. Um in all of your conversations with these recruits, are any of these names coming up?
1: Yeah, well, you know, I think well, you know, Rosamondo had the, the added advantage in that he's a local guy from Staten Island who, you know, coached at two schools previously that heavily recruit the New York New Jersey area. So he you know, he walks in the schools and coaches know who he is and some players know who he is already. So he's a guy that, you know, some schools and players were familiar with. Um it when he was hired though, it, he wasn't able to, to fully get on the road and see all the two thousand twenty guys that Rutgers is recruiting. So it was you know he's he's maintained contact with those guys. One guy that he did see uh, that I didn't mention earlier, but was on um, Pennsylvania offensive lineman Nicholas Dawson, uh, Dawkins. He's the son of uh, NBA player Daryl Dawkins. So he's a guy who who's offered who's a top offensive line target for Rutgers, and he speaks pretty highly of Coach Rosamondo and his his limited interactions with him. So in in another guy we didn't talk about, um, you know Rutgers targeting a graduate transfer offensive lineman uh, Ryan Alexander. He's a native of Long Island. He, he's playing, he played at South Alabama. You know, that's a guy that Russell Mondo recruited, um, you know, from his time in Central Connecticut. And he's, you know, really the connection that has Rutgers' contention to get this graduate transfer. So he's a guy that, you know, knows the area, you know, has some contacts and is using that um to, to recruit right away and try to bring guys into Rutgers. So, um, you know, comparing him to his predecessor, A.J. Blazek, I haven't heard that he has the same energy as Blasik, but, you know, that that's okay if you can do the job as a recruiter. So so far, there's been good reviews about Ross Amando, him working his his contacts. Well, Kobe Smith, you know, was was previously at Louisville. Um, you know, the, the funny story with him is that he was a running back on, on that night in 2006 when Rutgers uh, upset Louisville. So he he knows what uh, he knows what Rutgers team can be when it's at its pinnacle in terms of the energy there. So he he always remembers that. He talked about it on the signing day special. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, he's gotten in contact with the the local running back targets and, you know, he, he spent time with Tyreek Murphy when he was on campus and he's got to play in the NFL for a few years as well. So he has the pedigree. Uh, so so far he's been he's been pretty well received. Seems like a pretty good, cool guy from what I hear uh, from a lot of the targets. And he's a Florida native who has experience recruiting down there. So you got to have a certain swagger to go in that, down and recruit in Florida and be successful down there. Uh, and then um, the newest defensive back coach. You know, he he has the, the limited coaching experience from in terms of having his own room and, and controlling that room. But, you know, there's a lot of talk about when he was at uh, Georgia uh, recently as the quality control coach. You know, when they were down a coach, they sent him out on the road to recruit. Um, that says a lot about a school like Georgia under Kirby Smart, which is you know, consistently a top five school recruiting wise. They have GAs and other guys on that staff that probably could have did the job, but they they sent Jay out there to recruit the area. Um, and he was received really well. So he needs to build up his chops as a recruiter just from an experience perspective, but, and obviously to, 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 land the room. But he's another guy, uh, for, I've heard from all accounts, can, can be a really good recruiter for Rutgers. Uh, and then he's a guy as a, as a native of the Dallas area, you know, he used to train, uh, high school athletes in Dallas, and there's been a lot of offers going out in that area. So maybe he can help, uh, build a bridge in recruiting Texas for Rutgers down there.
0: Well, Sean, looking ahead this next couple of weeks, the next couple of months, I know for a lot of fans, they probably think this is uh, maybe a time to just watch some college basketball and, or just step away from the college game altogether in anticipation of things heating up again in the summer. But you know, as we all know, recruiting never stops, football never stops, things never stop moving forward. What can fans look forward to in terms of football over the next few months and uh, content on the Scarlet Nation website?
1: Well, obviously, you have, you have spring practice starting in, um, in a couple of weeks. I think it's March 13th is the date. So, you know, we have obviously, um, you know, Bobby Duran, uh, Brian Fonseca that will be at the spring practices, giving you the, as much content to give you depending on the access. But from a recruiting perspective, um, you know, Rutgers is taking this time to host, you know, unofficial visitors um, for some of the top local guys instead of having them in the group setting like like you saw at the junior day. They're trying to host them for, um, you know, unofficial visits, personal visits, where you, they get the the full attention of the staff, and they can get more uh, of an in-depth understanding, in-depth understanding of the school. They can take the tour, you know, go to their particular um, department of study they want to focus on. Um, they've already hosted big time defensive tackle Isaiah Rakes from um, uh, St. Augustine in South Jersey uh, a couple weeks ago. He's you know he's got a ton of offers. He's going to be one of the the most highly recruited prospects in the area. So they had him up for an unofficial visit, uh, a personal visit. They also had up um, Saint Hall Prep, I mean, excuse me, um, Saint Peter's Prep wide receiver Byron Shipman, uh, who's one of their top targets uh, in the 2020 class at that position. So he came up uh, for a personal visit. So that's a theme you're going to see guys just kind of popping in and you know visiting when they can. They actually just hosted today. Uh, we saw that they hosted um, Northeast High School in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Their whole team came to visit. We're not sure if they have any particular top targets on on the team, but they had, you know, the whole team up there for a visit. Uh, And then, of course, um, uh, one thing we noted on the message board by our our national recruiting analyst, Brian Doan, broke on our board uh, is that Rutgers is going to host in March uh, a specific New York Day. Um, I'm assuming that – I'm not sure if that's solely for New York City or New York State, uh, but obviously New York City has been good to Rutgers. Um, they have a lot of top targets. Um, Tariq Murphy being one of those guys, um, you know, and it's a really strong year uh, for New York City. So, you know, you're going to see a lot of those top guys. or Rutgers going to try to get those top guys from the city uh, on campus and probably highlight how they've done extremely well with New York City players and they have a bunch of guys now who are making an impact on the team. And then um, you know, so I would expect to see a, a lot of the top guys, the Rutgers is going to try to get them on campus on in the, in the coming months. Uh, and like you mentioned before, uh, it'll be interesting to see if they start to host more guides for official visits in April than they did previously. Um, you know, since they have the opportunity to do so.
0: All right. Well, Hey Sean, thank you so much for your time. I look forward to seeing you on the message board and, uh, you know what, you're just a, a wealth of information, wealth of insight and, uh, always, a, always a great time talking to you. No problem. Thanks for having me, John. All right, everybody, we will see you on that scarletnation.com message board. Don't be a stranger. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. If you have any suggestions for an upcoming podcast, never hesitate to post them on the board or email me, johnotterstedt at gmail.com.